Views expressed here are not supported by and do not reflect those of the Evening Rush Network. Viewer's discretion is at... Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Think and Grow with Vet Green. Tonight, we are tackling a very, very important subject, and I have the divine crew with me tonight. I'm so grateful that all of you decided to join us tonight to tackle this subject because I knew deep in my spirit, I, I was like, I need to put some armor on on this one. I need to put some armor. I need to get some people up here that is, you know, rooted and, and get and get it, who, who's willing to battle this out with me. So I appreciate all of you for joining me tonight. Damika, you good? I see you struggling over there, hon. You got, <laughs> you got it. It is what it is. Sometimes we have these technical difficulties. So tonight, everyone, we are talking about domestic violence. I couldn't let this topic go. Uh, like I had said before, had it not been for my uncle saving my mom, I would not be here right now. You know, it. I, I can't even imagine what my mom was going through when she was pregnant with me. In six months, she had to go through abuse at the hands of my father. You know, it, it's not something that we talk about often, especially in a community. It's been so normalized that a lot of times, and, and the Joker, we spoke about this, we can be playing outside and somebody's out there getting their butt whooped and we walk on by. It's not your business. Keep on walking. I can remember coming into, I lived in the projects and we had, we lived in an apartment building, like a, a, a high rise almost, you know, and I can hear women getting beat down, screaming for help. And we just getting ushered up the stairs into our apartment. So today the goal, the intention of this show tonight is to let everyone know that no, it's not normal. And yes, you do deserve better. If you are in that situation, we are here to tell you that there's, there's ways to get out of it. And I just want to read what domestic violence is. I just want to make sure that everyone understands what domestic violence is. So domestic violence is a pattern of abusive behavior in any relationship that is used by one partner to gain or maintain power and control over another intimate partner. There's so much to, that we can break down and tackle in this. And I just want to start by letting everyone introduce themselves and um, we can start from there. So we can start at the top. Ms. Leah, please go ahead and introduce yourself to the panel. And um, again, I, I appreciate you. Okay, first foremost, so my name is Leah Forney. I am the CEO and founder of a company called Purposely Faithful. I'm also a sexual assault survivor, um, advocate, and activist. I'm a published author and a host of other things, so I'm excited to be a part of the conversation. 
Thank you so much, Leah. And my bro, the Joker, thank you so much for always, always being supporting and, and coming through for your sis. So, yeah. Joker, tell everybody who you are. I'm the Joker, the host of the 514 Online Mix Morning Show, also the podcast, a pop-up show with the Joker. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I've been abused and I've been the abuser. Thank you, bro. I, I really appreciate your transparency. And Miss Karima, go ahead and tell everybody who you are. Hi, I'm Karima Morris, founder of Buried of Violence, and I am a domestic violence survivor and advocate in Buffalo. Thank you, Karima. And Dr. Cooper Lovett from Buffalo, tell everybody who you are. Yes, yes. I'm originally from Buffalo. I'm now in Atlanta. I've been down here for eight years. I'm a, a licensed marriage and family therapist and sex therapist. I own a new creation psychotherapy services, a holistic group practice. My specialty is in domestic violence. And I was also a child witness of domestic violence. And uh, domestic violence has definitely been a generational thing. My family starts from my great-grandmother, from what I know of. And, you know, just something that's always been uh, really good to my heart and something I'm very passionate about. Yes, thank you so much. And Damika, I know you're having some technical issues. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you guys now. You can hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Damika, go ahead. Tell everybody who you are, hon. Okay, I'm Damika Evans. I am the owner and founder of the Vibe High Experience, Vibe High Gear, co-owner of DNA Events. And um, I'm coming here with uh, being an abuser and being abused. Um, and I call myself an abuser just from new information that I found how, you know, contributions to domestic violence can be. So, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Big Mike, bro. Oh, yeah. Y'all already know who I am. Big Mike, Mike Murray, one half for the Brooklyn of the Brown Table podcast. Yes, indeed. Straight out of Brooklyn, New York. Y'all know. Never abuser, never accuser. So, but I've seen it. I grew up with that. I definitely think Yeah. And that, that's why I'm glad that we have all come together because in some shape or form, we've all either been a witness to, have been a part of, um, have lived with some type of domestic violence. So I, I want to start, um, Dr. Cooper, you said something um, that I think is, is a great segue to this discussion because a lot of times with domestic abuse, it's, it's generational. There, it's a cycle of violence that's generational. Mm -hmm. your, your parents, you yep. saw it in the household. Mm -hmm. Now this is something that you think is normalized. So mm -hmm. let, let's, let's begin with that. Why, Absolutely. What, what, is, what is the culprit of this mm -hmm. uh, generational curse? Why, why yeah, do you think it's that- so much involved. Yeah, my dissertation research was on uh, African-Americans who witnessed domestic violence as low-income youth, which is basically me studying myself. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of things. It's, you know, one of the theories is social learning theory. So I tend to adapt to the things or do the things that I've seen in my environment, whether it's externalizing behaviors, which is the aggression, the physicality, uh, how I interact with others or internalize Um internalization, which it comes with anxiety, depression, you know, it just depends on the person. And so it can go, you know, if I witnessed it from my great grandmother, it's, it's not just a mental health thing, but it's also very much a spiritual thing. So, you know, I have a spiritual practice as well that I didn't mention, but I work with people on those things and we're moving. Sometimes we have spiritual attachments or entities that are attached to whole families. 
You know what I mean? And so those things can also perpetuate violence. But there are a couple of different models and theories, social learning theory, bioecological theory, which looks at the community. Therefore, the community impacts the family, which impacts the, impacts the individual. There's life stressors. You got race, you got class. So all of these things can perpetuate violence in families. So if I saw it, chances are I may make more decisions or be more prone to be in a violent situation because I didn't see any other way to manage conflict except for it to be violent and physical. And this goes for both men and women because I've even in my study, there were women who instead who wanted to, they didn't want to be the victims. So it says instead of being a victim, I'm going to victimize because I don't want to be in a position that I saw my mother in. So, you know, it, it just keeps perpetuating itself because that's, in essence, it feels like that's all we know, even that's not the truth. This is all we saw. Mm -hmm. Leah, I see, I, I see you shaking your head as Dr. Cooper was, was speaking. And I know that you work with women who have um, gone through violence. Leah, if you guys don't know, Leah is a, a therapist and also a coach as well. Um, Leah, what is your take on the, and, and I hate to say that it's a generational curse, but isn't that kind of what it is? It's, it's kind of like a generational curse. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with Dr. Cooper Lovett on this one. We tend to do and, and mimic what we see. You know, I grew up in a house where I saw domestic violence. I saw my aunt getting beat by her baby was pregnant with my little cousin um and unfortunately that same thing i saw ended up being 19 years old you know it kind of it was what i thought was normal and so when you grow up in environments of dysfunction uh, we tend to normalize dysfunction because that's all we know and so if we see abuse or, or we see that people that say we that they love us they are abused then we equate love and abuse to be the same thing and so it almost it almost becomes abnormal in a sense when you're not getting abused and you're in a relationship because what you've seen is someone that has been abusing you, but they say they love you. And so we kind of normalize um, the, this, this dysfunction. And so, yeah, I have to agree with what Dr. Cooper said. Karima, I, I want to uh, say thank you so much for being on here because I know that you are very, very busy. You are an advocate in Buffalo. So what has been your experience as far as um, being an advocate and, and seeing what's going on? Do you see that a lot of times that it is generational, that it's, you know, the grandparents, the, the parents, now it's the child? It's, it's our community as well as the generation. So we're taught to don't say what goes on in this house and mind your business. And if you mind your community, you're minding your business. So we have to break off those community generational curses that we have from days of being enslaved because we're enslaving ourselves to accept these behaviors in which we don't speak out about. And then you see people shame the abuse when they put it on Facebook, you know, so that makes them cower down or, you know, silence themselves and it's sickening because you have to understand that everybody who speaks out even if you feel like it's elaborated, they had an experience in which we can't captivate. So it's community generations, it's family generations, it's church generations. People are raped and abused in church and it's silenced. And I fight against that too. Um, ultimately, what we have to stop 
thinking is abuse is a physical. You don't see my wounds, but I have them. Physical abuse is one form of abuse. You have um, economical, you know, the financial, you have spiritual, you have people that separate you from your family. It's so many different forms of abuse. So when we get out of the mindset of believing it's just a physical thing, I think uh, as holistically, we'll have a better grasp of what really uh, um, abuse looks like. So it's also the community. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I want to um, segue into the types of domestic violence um, since Karima went over some of them. So I just want to segue because I really, really want to tackle this. I want everyone to understand that you may be going through abuse and you may not even understand that it's actual abuse because you saw it. You saw it in your house. You saw it in your neighborhood. You see it amongst your friends, but it's not normal. No one should ever make you feel like you should not be here. No one should ever take you to the point where you don't want to be here or make you fear just living, breathing. If I move wrong, we just came out of being locked up um, because of COVID for two years, the, the the domestic violence spiked during that time. So let me just read the types of domestic violence. You have physical, you have verbal, you have psychological, you have emotional, you have financial, you have sexual. All of these are forms of abuse. So if you are dealing with any of that, no, it's not okay. And yes, you can get help. Yes, you can get away. You have to put it in your mind that you want more because you do deserve more. Don't believe that you don't deserve more because that's, that, that's a form of abuse. They, they, they attack your mind to make you think that you cannot get beyond their grasp, but you can. And, and Damika, you, we've talked, you know, through this and, and you have women reaching out to you and you, you're an advocate in the Buffalo area as well. So what has been your experience as far as um, women in dealing with domestic violence. You're muted, hon. You can hear me now, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I'm big on thoughts associated to situations and I like to tackle that part. And it's like the what you think of yourself and how I'm gonna I'm I'm use me. I'm gonna use me as an experience when I went through it. And me not knowing who I am and not, not, uh, just not knowing who I am and letting somebody else validate who I am. So when they feel like you're not good enough and they're beating on you or verbally abusing you, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) you want to get better. You want to get better so that it can stop. You think it's you, you know? So when I'm dealing with these females, I'm explaining to them about knowing themselves, right? Because to me, it's very important to know yourself when you're entering into a situation because you have to know what trigger you that, and, and you got to understand what trigger another person. We contribute to that sometimes, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like not knowing yourself and what you should not be in alignment with. So I deal with women with that, like know yourself. And, and then you need to know this person too, because we don't pay attention to stuff. When you don't know yourself, somebody else has the ability to tell you who you are, right? Yes. And then when you're not living up to that, what they say you are, and they beating you because you're not that, you try your hardest. I know I did. I ran around like a chicken with no head trying to be what my abuser told me I was supposed to be, you know, versus me knowing who I am. So now it's like, 
I can't nobody tell me, oh, you ain't SHIT or you ain't, you ain't going to, ain't nobody going to never want you or, or anything like that. And me believe it because I have now, I know who I am. I validate who I am now, you know? So I help people know who they are and just, mm-hmm. you know, build that thought process up versus have so even, you know, any human don't no other human should be able to validate who you are, period. That's you know? right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, um, the Joker and, and Big Mike, I definitely want both of you to tap in and um, just speak a little bit about your experience as far as domestic abuse. And the Joker, I really, really appreciate your presence on the stage because a lot of men would not have the courage to tell their story and to fix themselves, you know, heal from what it was that they were doing in the world. So um, if either of you want to just tap in and just speak to, you know, your experience as far as domestic violence, and we have the tissues ready. Oh, I got we it. have the tissues ready, bro. <laughs> I got them. Yeah, but um, yeah, I had um, well, I got a sister. She went kind of went through that, you know, with some boyfriends, you know, coming up as they, you know, younger. So, like she said, you know, you get a partner. They try to validate and make you, you know, out to be who they want you to be. And, you know, and if you're not going that route, they kind of like physically putting their hands on you, you know, hey, do this, do that, you know, B-I-T-T-A, you already know, you know, hitting yeah. you for whatever reason, trying to make you do somewhat of what you would make your dog do, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, but I grew up around that. I definitely grew up around that and I see what it was. She actually seen what it was, you know, for a lot of years, you know, it kind of happened like over and over and over again, you know, till, you know, she woke up and realized, you know, that wasn't the way to go. I believe me watching as being young, I think it was, you know, more of an acceptance or her low self-esteem, like you said, you know, a low self-esteem at an early age, you know, for the most part, that's what it is. Yeah. And Can I ask joke, a question? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Damika. So how does that affect you as a man watching that? You're Me? I, I, like, I grew up in a military family, so I actually really pretty much seen it all the time. You know, and I knew it wasn't, it couldn't have been, you know, because you kind of fight with yourself. You'd be like, nah, it can't be that way. It can't be that way. So I kind of like, you know, I'm like drawn I'm to a person, but I'm drawn from, you know, females, males, whatever. I, I'll fill you out, right? And then I'm I'm kind of like a little standoffish because I really don't want to be all that confrontational or whatever because growing up with that, I kind of feel it, you know, not that I'm going to do something to you or, you know, be that way to you. You know, I think that's why, you know, I'm kind of like in that field of security. You know, because I always wanted to be that protector. And that's how I come off. So I say that because, like, as a, as me being abused, a lot of the men in my family never got involved in that. You know, they mm-hmm. would be like, like, I remember actually being in the middle of a situation and my cousins just watching the fire. I guess if it didn't go too far, they weren't going to get involved because they understood. And I even had a case where I've called the police and the male police officers understood the, the, my abuser because 
I was leaving and they could understand they, you know, so I'm asking you that because like, does that affect you men in a way where you understand, you resonate with that or, you know, I don't, I just, I never understood other males allowing, you know, letting that happen. Standing and by and watching it. it. And, you know, and oh. I'm not judging you because I don't know y'all. I'm not a man. I don't know how you feel about that. But I was just asking, you know, how would no, how no. that affect you? Me, you know? Like I said, me, I can only speak for me. Me, it, it sent me the, you know, the other direction. As for, like, being that I knew it was wrong, I, like I said, I, I became that protector. Mm. I and that's probably why you went hand. into I the never, I never the heard field. anything in my life that I know of, that I can speak for in my 56 years. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I think that's, that's normal. Like it it can swing either way. And and any of you can, can speak to this. It can swing either way. The Joker, you grew up violent. You grew up in a very violent situation and, and it was around you. So you went the other route because it was normalized. You saw your uncles doing it. You saw your dad doing it. So so speak to your journey because you've completely changed your life and you you have the courage to talk about what you went through and, and why you went through. So, so speak to um, your position on domestic violence and, and how you got to the place where you are right now. Well, um... I've I seen it, you know, with my uncles and my dad and everything, my stepdad, really. Um, but mostly, I, I got involved into the verbal first because of my mom. And then I got to the physical because my mom had bruised and beat me and my sister every day for no reason all my life. Uh, I, got, I, I talk about it in my music all the time, Never Die, those who, you know, listen to that song. Um... And I got my new album dropping. I got another song that I'm talking about, you know, about me and my sister and everything. Um, but anyway, I learned more on my mom's, on the, on the women's side. Because um, my mom abused us, and, and I thought that was normal. You know what I mean? When she come in the room, stitching court, uh, punching my face, and making, I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? I ain't did nothing wrong in school. I didn't do, and I, and I knew I was wrong in school, and they called my mom. I know it's coming. So when I come in the house, I'm ready for them hands. I'm ready, whatever she's going to bring to me, you know, get it over with, boom. Um, but what made me get more physical far as women because of the anger of my mom. So when I, had, when I was with my, my girlfriend, baby mom, whoever I'm with, you know, when they come off the mouth slick, it's automatic because my mother came out the mouth slick and she swung hands to my sister or she swung hands to my dad or she... Just beating me up because I look like my father. Um, so I thought that was normal. So when I did it in, in my teenage years after I graduated, all the way until like around, I said around 35, that's when I had enough. When I got like 35, I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I need to get help. I need to do this. And I got help and everything. Been to anger management for like three or four different classes, of different state, states from living in South Carolina, living in Atlanta. You know what I mean? And went back to Buffalo and all that. And seeing it around with my cousins and them, um, like I said, it didn't really bother me in the beginning because it was normal to me. So once I went to jail a couple of times and people started talking to me and, you know, preachers and, 
you know, a lot of good people that love me. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, you know, and I tell them why I do these things and I, you know, I got help. And the main thing I focused on was what triggers me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, people, all of us men that's abusers always want to point the finger. You can do that because it it, it's half the battle when somebody provoking you, mm-hmm. but you got to know yourself what mm-hmm. what level you at that triggers you to go that route. And I learned that. And then now anybody I'm with or I'm dating, you know, I'm married now, me and my wife communicates a lot. And I, I, I laid them down, laid them on the table now. I let them know, listen, this triggered me. I don't like this. Um, I'm going to talk to you with respect, talk to me with respect. Um, you know what I mean? I understand emotions involved because women is very emotional creatures. So I had to understand that part. That took mm-hmm. a long time to overstand, understand, and understand before I get to work on me. Cause I got to understand that woman and I've studied it through the, through the, through the Bible and me and the Wapian brother and studying and everything and being around Muslim people. And they let me know how women um, minds work and everything else. So I had to respect the creativity that God made to where I can fix myself to where I don't have to be that person that my mom was that instilled in me that had me do all these things and, and, and almost, almost murder my baby mom. You know, came real close. They almost gave me a tipped murder charge, but it got dropped. Um, but, you know, then that's when I knew that I had to really uh, 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 teach myself and with a little bit of help. And now I am a, I'm a, I am a, a, a teacher, a motivational speaker, and teach young men now to this day. That, um, you know, a lot of people always, you know, my cousin doing this, my son going through this, you know, talk to the Joker, you know, I mean, hit him up on his DM. And I talk to these brothers and I go FaceTime and I tell them what you know what you've been through. And some of them been through the same as I've been through. Like mm-hmm. my life is similar to DMX life. That's why I love DMX so much. Uh, rest in peace. And when he tell his story about his mom, we you know, and that, that's why his movie come out is gonna touch me because he's gonna have all them scenes in the movie, him coming up, his mother abandoned him and and, and and beat him and you know, and all these things and and um, you know, and, and, and it, it just give me a flashback when I hear his story and listen to his music. It uh, resonates you know, with you. Yeah, yeah. It, it resonates with you. Um, so, you know, and to this day, when I talk to my aunts about it, and I talk to my uncles about it, they didn't know because back then you couldn't really go to nobody. Because, you know what I mean? Nobody wouldn't understand or understand you because it's that's so they, normalized. Yeah, they, they say so it's natural. And they, that's why I thought it was normal. I was like, when I, yeah, when I, you know, when I see somebody getting knocked outside the head, you know, you know, yo, B, oh, okay, then, you know, you know, she deserved that. Like, what? You know what I mean? And it's not. I thought that way. I thought that way. Like, oh, she deserved that. What you, what you do? No, well, you don't deserve that. To get hit her in her face in public and now her nose bleeding. Come on, man. Now, I look at myself, the old me. I said, you was ignorant. You know, like, come on, bro. Like, you, you know, did the work on yourself, and I, and yeah. I, and I, I really think that the more people that actually begin to do the work on themselves, and I'm talking about the abuser and the victim, we have to do the work. And Karima, you are out here. Damika, you're out here in Buffalo also. You guys are advocating and speaking to these women. So Karima, speak to you. The Joker said a lot. And I know some people are probably like, you know, oh my God, why does she have, but I wanted to show both sides because mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you went through that you were the abuser. There's, you can heal from it. So Karima, <laughs> talk to us about what, what you're thinking right now, as far as what, what you're seeing out in the streets. Um, one, just to cover back what he said, I think it's a lack of community. We don't know how to communicate in anger. So your mom comes home and she smacks you around because I've had friends that quote unquote dog walk their kids and they um, smack their sons. And when the sons turn up and they turn out to be these people, they coddle them back into the same destructive behaviors because they don't correct them. And so that's a huge issue. You know, women carry so much and they want us to be soft and they want us not to be masculine, but you leave us to be the man. Yes. So it's a, a lack of communication. It's a lack of support. Um, you can't come home and tell your kids you need five minutes just to, you already been beat down at work. I've already been beat down in the community because I'm facing people who, instead of working with me, want to work against me. And then I got to come home to my children. So it's just so many things that I was thinking about when he was talking. So um, when it comes to the community and how we um, try to deal with the women, I believe if we just take that moment, I think everyone needs an opportunity to hone in and just think and be and feel. We don't have time for that. It's school, work, play. So many people put on. It's time to put off and do you. Stop focusing because putting on has held us captive for, for history. I don't want a degree. I don't want to go to school. It does not suit me. But people put these things on us and we fight these elements every day. So when I said we did the event for um, healing and unity, I wanted an opportunity for the arts to be distributed. I mean, you know, sorry, displayed to show people ways to heal. Um, biblical meditation, dancing, breathing exercises. We don't take time out for ourselves. And those are the mothers that come and they they do that. And I'm a physical person. So I would give my kids the warning and it's like, shut up, I said don't. I'm a yeller. Because I know if I put my hands on my kids, I'm going to jail. You know, at one time my hands were registered. So I couldn't put my hands on my kids, you know? And um, it's just those things that we do every day that we have to battle every day and then come home and our safe space is disrupted because we can't communicate. We're here at the end of our workday. So when do we take time to deescalate, to decompress, to come back down, to talk to our kids? Mm -hmm. It's not a thing. And you know, I'm often the devil's advocate because people don't want to hear my truths about once people can accept their truths, maybe they can clean up their stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest part of healing. You know what I mean? And women that are abused do abuse their children because it's the only form of control. It's a power struggle. They see and it. that's what we see out here. And, you know, it's we have to balance. We have to level. We have to start healing from the inside out in order to be those things that we really can be to our children, nurturing. We're nurturing a man mm. instead of nurturing our kids. Oh, we are going to um, pause right there because that is deep. We are going to get more into that. We are going to take a quick break, you guys. If you are interested 
and hosting, having your own podcast. Make sure you hit the evening rush up. Get here soon. There's a lot of shows on this network right now, but you may be able to fit in. So if you're interested, stay tuned. Looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start? The Evening Rush Network can help you with that. Call us at 929-441-2417 or email us at theeveningrushnetwork at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again on another episode of Thinking Girl with Bet Green. Tonight, we are talking about domestic abuse, why it happens. We are talking about the generational curse because you may have been abused. You may have grown up seeing your mama abused. You may have grown up seeing your, your grandmother abused, and now you think that it is normal. And we are here to tell you that it is not normal. It is not okay for you to not be okay. And yes, you can get out of that situation. And there are resources out there. And I know right now it may seem hard and it may seem like, how in the hell am I going to do this? But there are safety plans that you can put in place. There are people that you can talk to. And yeah, I know that it seems like the police who are supposed to support us, they may not be helping. And sometimes we have to take matters in our own hands and it starts with them. So Karima, you were touching on something and I saw all of you shaking your head. Um, I want to talk about communication and how we communicate based on our environment. A lot of times, like I, I, I was a yeller as well because I didn't want to put my hands on my kids. I didn't want to whoop them. So I yelled a lot, but that's not really a good form of communication. Also, that's another, that's verbal, that is verbal abuse. And many of us grew up in households like that, where you saw either you were verbally abused or you saw verbal abuse going on it, you, no one should make you feel less than no one should demean you no one should make you feel as if they have control over you no one should make you ever feel like you would rather be dead than be here on that earth that is abuse everyone that Ooh. is abuse so dr cooper love it i see you up there shaking your head and karima said a lot before we went to break so, so what are your thoughts on, on the abuse and, and how we communicate? Yeah, communication is a huge factor, you know, and I always tell people, you know, um, your environment, like I said earlier, social learning theory, that the way I communicate, the way I resolve conflict is based on what I've seen. So I'll go with what all I've seen because I feel like there's no other options, even though there are, you know, and so it's kind of like in therapy is teaching about the difference between passive aggressive and assertive communication for starters. And first and foremost, because I get one of my specialties is couples, not so much with um, intimate terrorism, but just situational violence where both partners are putting their hands on each other. So intimate terrorism is a whole other story. I don't even work with that because there is a safety issue and there is a safety issue as well when it comes to situational violence. But the first thing I tell them is that you got to keep your hands to yourself, first and foremost. Secondly, you know, let's learn how to have assertive communication. Aggressive communication is very hostile, call you out your name, disrespectful. Assertive communication is I'm direct, I'm stern, I'm straightforward, and I'm respectful at the same time. And if we feel like we're going to a place where it's becoming aggressive in our communication, let's take a break. And what I mean, not a break, we coming back a week later. I mean, 
let me cool off, give myself 30, 40 minutes, even with children, especially with that. Because I have a toddler, trust. I, I struggle with uh not trying to yell because I'm like, he's only two. I got to be mindful. So it's like, even if he's on 10, one scream and cry, let me excuse myself for a moment. And while he has his meltdown, because I can't go stoop to his level because he's having a meltdown. So as the adult, I need to be grounded and centered so that I can calm him down. And mm -hmm. so like, that's in couple context, that's in family context, because in family therapy, it usually, if a person is loud, they came from a loud family. They all yell at each other. <laughs> and so, you know what I mean? So I think it is so important to kind of reprogram how we communicate because it's we're only doing what we know is, as everyone shared, to be normal. And then even going to the residuals of slavery, because that's a whole other soapbox in itself and how it affects community our community as a black community, because yes, domestic violence affects all creeds, gender, race, etc. However, in the black community, there are is disproportionately higher than mm. other communities, you know, and it's not to negate or to minimize that, but it's because <laughs> there is this sense of a normal, you know, um, normalizing violence, normalizing this aggression, as opposed to being articulate and being able to be assertive in how we communicate not just with our partners, but with our families, with our children, that we must have to, we have to break that cycle and have to be conscious and mindful and aware of how we're speaking. And when we find ourselves in that state, can I, can I give myself a break? And even mm -hmm. to the point that Kareem made earlier about self-care, I'm an advocate of that. I can't be any good to anybody if I'm not good to myself. Yeah, you, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself. And I find that a lot as women. Welcome back, OG Moan. I find that a lot as women that we will nurture everyone. And Karima, you spoke to this. We will nurture that man. We will nurture everyone, but we will not take care of ourselves. And, I, and to this day, it's like, man, I, you, I have to understand me. I have to overstand me. I have to understand me because I, I, I'm a lot. And I and I, and it's I realize that I'm a lot, just like the Joker said, because I'm doing the work on myself. And yeah, I can now I, I look back and I, and no abuse is not right, but I also had to take a step back and look at what I was doing myself. No, I don't deserve to be hit. No, I don't deserve to be verbally abused or or mentally abused. No, I don't deserve that. But I also have to take a step back and say, okay, that what's going on with you? that you're, you know, instigating certain things because sometimes, sometimes as women, we grow up in these households where there's so much abuse that we think is normal and we want to instigate a fight because we think that that's the, that's the way we, we have love. You hit me because you love me. And Leah, I see you down there shaking your head. Please tap in because I know women who go from abusive relationship to abusive relationship to abusive relationship. And in, in our heads, we think that that's a form of love. So Leah, t tap in and, and speak to um, your experience. And what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was my life. Um, so because I grew up and I saw domestic violence early on, I got into a domestic violence relationship. Um, I was 19, fell in love with a man that was very similar upbringing as me. His dad and mom battled with addiction, was in and out of incarceration. So we had a trauma bond, you know, understood my pain. So we the perfect match, right? I know that to be codependence now, but mm -hmm. um, that was my life. And so the cycle kind of repeated itself. But going to what Dr. Lovia was saying, what I have learned is that communication, what we tend to find is that there's 
the lack of emotional intelligence. So mm. we blow up, we get angry, we get violent because we don't have the verbiage of, of I'm hurting, right? So even as a therapist who has a therapist, my therapist had to teach me how to unlearn, learn behavior because my father was a very volatile man. Like he'd cut you from the roof to the tutor with his words. He don't, and he didn't apologize for it. And so I had that predisposed already. So naturally when I'm angry, you're going to know I'm angry because I'm going to say what I have to say. And so what I had to do was recognize that I had a lack of emotional intelligence. And so I had to learn that anger wasn't even the primary emotion. It's actually a secondary emotion. And so I had to get to the heart of what's really going on. Why am mm -hmm. I, what is it anger or am I feeling discouraged? Am I feeling disappointed? Am I feeling, and so what I find is that the reason why we are, we grow up in these volatile environments is because we're surrounded around people that have a lack of emotional intelligence. Nobody taught them how to use their words properly in order to communicate what's really going on. Not to mm -hmm. mention when you throw in the what happens in this house stays in this house mantra and the cover-ups that we do in Black communities, right? Like, mm -hmm. we really are gen genetically messed up, right? Generationally messed up because nobody has properly taught us to use your words and that <laughs> it doesn't have to lead to putting your hands on somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the emotional uh, immaturity is something that even now today I am dealing with. I, I have to unlearn what I've learned and, and it didn't just come from the house and, and all of you tapped in on this. It did not just come from what was going on in the house. It came from what was going on outside of my house in the environment. You go to your friend's house and you see their mom getting beat on or you see their, you know, their mom getting verbally abused. So now as a teenager, I think it's all right to be called a B-I-T-T-H. I think it's okay to, you know, be hemmed up, you know, oh, he loves me because he didn't hem me up. Like, no, that mm -hmm. is not okay. That is never okay. No one should ever put their hands on you and you should never put your hands on them. And a lot of us think that it is okay. We think that it's okay. So I want to ask you guys, um, as you are um, dissecting everything that we said on this stage tonight, what, what do you think is the most important takeaway for people who may be going through or have been or seen it and they're ready to heal, they're ready to get help? What do you think? And, and we can start with you, um, Dr. Cooper, Dr. Cooper Lovett. Yes, they have to be right. Because, you know, I realized, like, the disappointment I had when I started my practice was that I was like, oh, I'm going to have all these um, women and men um, who are in the mode of, like, survivorship, ready to get this and this and that. But what I recognize is that they need resources, first and foremost. And I recognize, you know, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if I need a place to stay, if I don't got money, if I don't have a car... I'm not thinking about my mental and emotional wellness right now. I'm trying to survive. And so that's what I recognize that you genuinely have to be in that space to have those things in order before I can get to the emotional and mental wellness and healing that I seek, you know, because there are levels to it as well. There's a the survivor there. I mean, there's the victim, there's a survivor and there's a thriver, but there mm -hmm. is a process to go through each of those things. And so, you know, with that being said, it's very important to recognize, okay, what are my resources? You know, and there, it's not really as broadcasted as it needs to be. However, 
there are more and more uh, resources out there, such as these uh, wonderful women and also men out there who are advocating, who are putting themselves out there and speaking to that. And I also was fortunate enough to find a group out here called the Sisters Empowerment Network. Uh, that works with uh, victims and survivors. I don't usually like to use the word victim, but survivors of uh, domestic violence to provide them resources, provide them resources for not just therapy, but also case management and things of that nature to get them on their feet, especially if they have children. You know, And so we oftentimes help with regard to giving them the resources, telling them, doing safety plans, because that's one big thing for me as a therapist. Like that's one of the first safety things that plan. I do that's, that's survivors is a safety mm-hmm. plan, especially if I've had some women who are still actually involved in the relationship. And so I tell them, you know, cause the most dangerous time is when you're trying to leave. That's mm-hmm. when, you know, people who share their stories, when they share that they almost got killed or almost died was typically times where they were either made the decision to leave or they were about to leave. And so that in itself is very crucial when it comes to making that exit strategy if they're still involved. But if they've moved on and I've had people move on whose partner was still coming at them and saying all these abusive and terrible things to them, trying to coerce them back. But it was rebuild, it was building them up because they come to me in the space of feeling broken. And I often tell them you're not broken. That I believe in this concept of post-traumatic growth where, you know, resiliency is different. I am strong in spite of the event. I'm still standing. Post-traumatic growth is, no, I got torn apart. I got crumbled into pieces. I became, you know, but the beauty of post-traumatic growth is that I put myself back together again. I'm stronger and I'm better because of it. So it's kind of like I'm I'm Kensuji Japanese art, which is very expensive art. I love it, but I love the metaphor of it is that I take both broken pieces of pottery and line it back back together with gold to say that in my brokenness, I'm still beautiful, that I can mm-hmm. still heal and still be even better and stronger because of these things. So that's a lot of what I emphasize with um survivors who've gone yeah. through those. You just, just you you said so much, and and thank you for that. Um, I hope that if you are watching this and and you heard Dr. Cooper Lovett speak, that you realize that you know there there are ways to get around that abuse. There there's things that you can do. You but you have to want it. You know we can want it for you so bad, and we can see you going through it, and and we want to reach out and help you, but you got to want it for yourself, hon. And, and bro, you you know, it, it, it's not okay. It is never okay to stay in a situation where you feel like this, this person is tearing you apart mentally. This person is tearing you apart physically, emotionally, spiritually. It is so much. And, and, and yes, you can put yourself back together. Never think that you can't put yourself together. That is a tactic that they use to, to make you think that you are you are destined to be in this environment for the rest of your life. And that is not true. That is not true. And Damika, we spoke the other day, we had a really nice conversation and you've, you've, you have women reaching out to you. You know, you, you, you've been around women who have, or maybe experienced in this abuse. What, what would you like to let them know as we're um, counting down and ending this? Because I really, really, really want to, touch someone tonight. I I want them to know that number one, you are not alone. And I know, you know, everything that went on in the news recent, recently with Kiara Hudson, it may seem like, you know, this happened to her and, and I'm never going to get away. And you know, that that's not true. That that's something that should never have happened. That's, that's something that should never have happened. And you have people out here who are working to 
reform these laws. So Damika, tap into what, what would you like to leave our listeners with tonight? <clears throat> oh, you're on mute. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. all right. It ain't nothing but the enemy, but I'm we still rolling with this. I'm telling you, I know how he works. <laughs> so for people being abused, it's very scary. Um, the thought of leaving. And, and, it, and it seems crazy to some people. I was on a one podcast a couple of months ago talking about this and I'm thinking uh, the topic was, are these people stupid? And no, they're not stupid. You know what I mean? But yeah, they're stupid, but not, not consciously stupid. It's mm -hmm. like, you just don't know that. And I'm not using stupid in a terminology as like, um, I'm using it in a way Like that, dumb, you mean? Yeah, it's not, mm -hmm. yeah. So like, what happens is you're scared. You don't know who you are. You really, I'm telling you from a woman who was, <clears throat> I thought I was the glue of the house. I was, I was the, who I am today in that, in that situation, but being abused. Go woman, I was that person. So everybody's seen that, right? Nobody's seen what I was going through in the inside. So everybody was mm. confused, but like the stability that a man would give. And I'm not going to just say a man or a woman because we, I, I, I was an abuser with my love that I gave to people and made them attached to me and, and they couldn't leave. They didn't want to leave me. They didn't think they could find that anywhere else, you know? So I, that's why I say that I was an abuser as well in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say the stability that somebody give you or the financial, uh, you know, all that stuff that you don't think that you can give to yourself. So one a person told me, I thought you were going to come back to me because I didn't think you were going to make it without me because that person provided so much for me. And I submitted myself to that person and everything that they gave and what they said was, was if the sky was purple, it was purple. And I'm gonna argue mm. with the next person to tell you that the sky is purple, okay? So it's scary not to have that stability. It's scary not to have that other part of you that you feel like holds you together, even though that bad stuff is there. So my advice is to know you because that is what saved my whole life. And mm. because my abuse didn't just come out of a relationship, work abuse, uh, friendship abuse, all this different abuse that I was experiencing because I didn't know who I was and my and who I was and my inside, my my beauty, my 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 strengths, my my everything. You know, when I found out who I was and what I can do by myself is when I do I have decided I don't have to be abused anymore in no shape, form, or fashion because. I'm okay, you know what I mean? And I'm not even going to be abused by a job. And I know that's off subject, you know what I'm saying? But abuse is abuse, and you have to know yourself for real before you can enter into any situation, and especially with the humans, because humans have the ability to manipulate you. And, yep, and that's who, a form you, of and who abuse. you already knew you were, you know what I'm saying? You can love somebody so much that they done told you all this stuff about you in the beginning. Like, you are this and you are that. And then two, three months later, they know, you you love them because they love you. Two, three months later, they tell you, oh, you're fat and stuff like that. They loved you for who, that beauty. You want that feeling again, so you run for it. You mm -hmm. have to know yourself. Do you try, and, you try and mold yourself to be that person Man, that they I'm want. I don't care yeah. how much weight I gain. I'm still beautiful and I still love me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I don't care. And if this doesn't fit for you, I promise you I understand that I'm not going to be able to be in your life anymore. <laughs> you yeah, know what as I mean? simple as that. 
As simple as that. Well, that's my advice. Know yourself. Know yourself. I, I appreciate know that. Thank you so much, Tamika. It, it it really is about knowing yourself. And and me and OG Moan spoke about this earlier today. A lot of times these men, they'll pick women who have, you know, they, they, they're very insecure inside, you know, so they know how to be manipulative. So the Joker, talk. go ahead and, and leave our listeners with, with a gem of yours. What, what would you like to say to the men who may be in that situation? And, it, and you know, they want to get help, but they don't know how to even begin the process. Uh, the, the main thing I tell uh, young men is to, like they say, know yourself and know what triggers you. Um, the main question I ask my son when he tell me a story about what he's been through when he, he, he jumped on somebody or jumped on his, his loved one or whatever. And I tell him, I said, what happened prior to that you're arguing about something crazy like who put the pants in the wrong drawer? You know what I mean? What happened before that? What was it going through your head before that? Was it something you went, you went to play basketball, you lost, or did you get in an argument with your homeboy, or did somebody mess with you on the street and threaten you? What Something had to trigger you to bring something home to make you escalate the way you did. Mm. So the main thing I try to tell young men is to know where you at and what you're doing for yourself, for your inner self, so you had to bring that home, so you had to have something else to trigger it to where it could escalate to a whole nother level. So that's the main thing I teach men, ask those questions first. Because if you don't know that, then you could never get here. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes, you, could, you, could, you could have issues all day long, and us as men, you know, we're not as, as emotional as women, but we more aggressive. You know, we, we masculine, we are, you know what I'm saying? We got, the, Testosterone is, is, is always moving. You got so, masculine women now. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never what lied. I'm gonna say we, we have been put into that position. We can't I agree, sis. I yeah, agree. Yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. have to be strong all the time. Yeah. Okay. Plus, you women, you women is a single parent. So when you single parents, there's no consistent male in the house. You have to be. But you want to know something, Joker? That's not always true. I was married for 16 years, and I had oh. to be a man, okay? Oh, well, you know. There you go. It's like that sometimes. There you go. It's like that sometimes. Well, I don't want no smoke then. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And Karima, sis, thank you again so much for joining us. I know you are out here fighting the fight. So what would you like to leave our listeners with? Give us some, some information that you think would be useful to them. That we have to use what we have to get what we need. And ultimately, if you don't have the information, I'm here. I'm here to educate, to share the resources. I didn't know it was over 20 resources in Buffalo, New York for domestic violence. Mm -hmm. I, I would like for us to learn how to heal from the inside out. One with the acceptance of I am in a bad situation. If we don't get there, we can't get to the next place. So I can give you all the resources in the world, but if you don't use them, you lose them. And my last thing is, it's okay not to be okay, but don't stay there. Yes. So those very things that we are looking for, oh, I have this, I have that, but you won't have your life if you don't leave. Mm -hmm. 
So use those resources to be able to leave safely. Mm-hmm. Use what we have to get what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Come up with a safety plan. You don't have to stay in that situation. Stop believing that 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 is a tactic that they use to make you believe that you can't survive without them. You do not have to be in that situation. And if nobody else wants you, want yourself, because what somebody else wants, some people can't even love me the way I need to be loved. So your love not good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And so if we really look at and tell ourselves the truth, we'll come to self-realization. Thank you. Thank you. Rebounding. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Ms. Leah, the busy bee down here. What are you leaving our listeners with tonight? You know what? I I think back on my domestic violence situation and I would say, um, pay attention to the red flags. Like, I think that because we want to love so bad and we want to be loved so bad that we overlook red flags. Because when I look back at that 19-year-old version of me, there were red flags that I saw from day one. But because we had this trauma bonding going on, he just had to be that guy because he got it. He understood it. And so we and I overlooked it. And I feel like if I never pay, if I paid attention to the red flags, we wouldn't even started the relationship to begin with. So they love yourself enough to pay attention to the red flags and get out before it even gets worse. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for that. OG Moan, welcome back. Welcome back. What would you like to leave our listeners with tonight? I, I We are here to grab somebody out of that situation that they're in right now because it can be dark. It can be so dark. I, I've spoken to women who have slept in cars for weeks at a time just to get away from their abuser, had guns placed into their head, told that if you do leave, I'll kill you. You know, there it, it is really tough out here for a lot of people. And uh, during COVID, it didn't help because you were around your abuser much more. So it, the, the statistics probably aren't even correct. Uh, in the mm-hmm. last week's episode, Friday, we talked about one in every three women have been or will be abused. How many women are on this panel tonight? How, how many of us have already spoken about our abuse? You know, it's real out here and it is up to us to take control over our lives and say enough is enough. You do deserve more. You do. I know the environment that many of us grew up in told us that we don't deserve better than we have right now, but we do. We do. And it, and it starts from the inside. If we, we can dress it up and make it look pretty and put those high heels on and red bottoms, but that does not fix the issue. You know, at the end of the day, that feeling, not feeling good inside, that is hurtful. That that breaks down your spirit. And once your spirit is broke down, you are dying from the inside out. You don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. So, OG Moan, what would you like to leave our listeners with tonight? Uh, I mean, love don't hurt. It's not mm. supposed to. Regardless of how... A man makes you feel. You got to look at how you I, use common sense. I've never been involved in it. I've never experienced domestic violence. So it's kind of like I'm on the outside of the whole. I can say what a person's supposed to do. But in a position or in a, in a moment, you know, they might not do what they, they'll look back like, oh, I could have did this, could have did that. If given the opportunity, you know. 
I mean, I can say a thousand things I think they should do. It, but being that I've never experienced that, it would only be me just, you know, outside looking in type of stuff. I've known females that went through it. You know, I mean, I pretty much look at myself as the aggressor type of female boob. You know that. Yeah. Karima know that. Karima. And I think that's the thing. It, you, you know, know uh, but uh, advice that I would tell them, love doesn't hurt. Stop mm. making excuses for the man. Mm. Stop trying to justify his behavior. Stop trying to make it seem like your actions caused him to do things that he's doing to you. Regardless of what, know when to, to, to say, okay, you know what? Enough is enough. If not for yourself, for your kids. You know? and Because they're looking. The little girls are seeing how he's treating you. That's oh, going to determine how they're being treated. That's going to show them what they need to accept or whatever. Because I grew up seeing my mother get beat up. I grew up seeing my mother get black eyes. I grew up seeing my mom making excuses for my dad. That'd be their mindset. Mm. You know, they'll think that that's acceptable because that's what they grew up seeing. You know, they may have seen their mothers have multiple men in and out the house. That's another thing that they might be, you know, little girls. You pretty much set the path on what your little girls is willing to accept when they get older. Yeah. You know, yeah. if if they see you on the straight and narrow, you putting your foot down, you're not letting no men put their hands on you, whatever. They then they'll grow up with that same kind of mindset. They won't stray far away from that. But if they see you accepting all of that, then that's how can you tell them to leave if you're not leaving? Yeah. It's a lot of things going on now because, like you were saying a little, like the conversation we had earlier, men, for the most part, know the kind of women that they can pull that kind of stuff on, so to speak. That's a touchy topic because no woman deserves that. Right. I don't care what you do. Nothing can justify the man's behavior. If you don't like what she's doing, leave. It's easier said than done, yeah. But you do have a lot of tender men out there that get in their feelings quick and want to put their hands on women or whatever. You got some women that get aggressive with these men and the men may feel like, okay, she brought that on herself. No, either way, there's no way to condone the behaviors. Mm -hmm. Leave. Period. 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 Some girls... They see them red flags. They think it's cute. They, oh, girl, I've not seen text messages from females and they think it's cute until it started getting real serious and all the red flags, they ignore it. Oh, he, I told him to leave. He said, I ain't going nowhere. He pulled up, girl, he be popping up when he wants to. He always, but then the minute he get to put their hands on him and that's when they ignore it a little bit. But then once it gets serious, now they turn yeah. into something that it could have been avoided if they would have looked at it in the beginning. You know, no easy way to say it. I mean, at the end of the day, black women, all women, I'm not just going to narrow it down to black, all women, hopefully this podcast will reach some and teach some. Hopefully it'll open their eyes and give them the strength that they need to leave. From watching you, Big Mike, Dr. Cooper, Karima, the Joker, Damika, Leah, hopefully all of y'all done reached somebody. Hopefully y'all gave them that jolt of energy they needed to get on up while he sleep and leave. Mm. <laughs> you know, you while he waiting for them, while he at home, you know he ain't got no job. He waiting on you to get off work to come bring him a cigarette. Don't go straight home. Go leave. You know he gonna beat you up if you just smoke the last cigarette. Mm. <laughs> leave. <laughs> 
You Fast. know he ain't nothing. You get paid on Friday. He don't work at all. You get paid on Friday. He's sitting there with his hands out for your check. Stop true. making excuses. Oh, the sex is good. Oh, he didn't mean that. He was just mad. You better about get you a like, rose. Hello. You better get you a rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the she said the rose? Uh oh, boo. I'm kidding. Listen, listen. Mm -hmm. All I know is that my mama always told me you can do bad all by yourself. Hello. Oh, yeah. You oh, can yeah. do bad all Hello. by yourself. And if Hello. you want the beater to keep you, don't need her. But that's you got fact. some women that stay around because they don't want to be by themselves. Yes. And you don't, man, be by yourself. Yeah. Oprah told yeah. me, yes, Oprah told me and told all of y'all, <laughs> the best thing you can do is learn to love yourself Absolutely. by yourself. Absolutely. That's the best thing you can do because listen, everybody, listen. And, and yes, we are going over just a little bit, but I want to reach somebody. And like OG Moan said, reach and teach. This is a panel. This is the divine panel up here. Okay. I am here to let you know. Yes, Karima, go ahead and speak. Please go ahead and speak. The only thing I think we might have missed out on is for people who are in a marriage and believe that submission means that when you don't, feel good when you don't want to have sex that you have to have sex that is abuse as well um we did leave that part out just to bluntly say um that that's not okay as well mm -hmm. and that's right. one other thing i just want to touch on before we go is this bail reform because i did my research before this inter before this show i did my research last week and i caught various police departments and the one thing they all harped on and they blamed on to me is the bail reform act they they blame the bail oh because it's the bail because you know that this bail thing that happened so karima we spoke about this and and, and before we leave i just want you to talk to us about what that even mean what what does that even mean so the way they uh can charge they have restrictions on how they can charge a person to contain them even overnight. And so New York State is the last one to pass this where, you know, it doesn't exist. So sometimes they don't have enough charges. The arresting officer comes in and they don't charge because they don't see physical marks, right? Sometimes, the, but if it's all these other portions of domestic violence and violence, why does one mark matter how you charge a person? Yep. So um, the arresting officer has their charge and then the next person went before you go to the judge has their charge and the judge gets this package and they can't hold this person because they don't have charges that can keep that they could keep them overnight. Yeah. That one night could save a life. Yeah. yeah. But instead, if that person shows up to court on that warrant that was administered, if you get that, by 9 a.m. and they see the judge, they could be out by 12 noon mm. to change your life for yep. the negative. That's right. Because so, now they're mad that you press the charges and all of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you call the police on me. Yeah. Yep. And it's an aggravation. So yep. it's the next level of offense for mm -hmm. you and that partner. And so that's why um, we're working with the, with, sorry, with the assemblyman to implement the um, Justice for Rachel Act where they have dangerousness hearings 
where they reflect truly on the case, not on what's in front of them, truly on the behaviors of the person. Had Adam Benefield been looked at from who he was before, we will understand what he did now. A man that jumps a barbed wire fence to get out of jail. Mm. A man that rams his car into two women and kidnaps them. That's more than a flight risk. Okay. Yeah. And if he said he needed mental health, then put him at ECMC until you get out. But that's not part of the bill either. That's holding us back. So if officers start putting more restriction, restrictive charges from the arresting officer to the next level, we're going to build that case before it even gets to the judge. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us tonight. Kiara Hudson, just know that um, it's, it's, it's not over, hon. It's not over. It, it brings tears. Oof. Mm -mm -mm. It's not over. Nope. It's only it's the beginning. You know? Thank, thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. It's not Hopefully over. the tears are turning to strength and turn into a voice and bring about some changes. We got Karima. People like Karima out here. People like Dr. Cooper out here. Absolutely. The People like Leah, Miss Leah. You know, through the strength of you women, maybe you guys can... It, it got to start somewhere. The strength got to come from somewhere. And I need a program for, for young men to come, come together like myself. Absolutely. To be on the other side to educate also because yeah. it's more than just um, the woman's women. side. It starts from us. We meet the man in the house. Mm -hmm. Start from us. We got to understand ourselves and know ourselves, and like I did myself, and I, you know, and I, 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 I the big transition in my life um, is different. I, I talk different. I move different. I think different. You know what I mean? And uh, and I and I don't okay, put myself bro. in those situations. You know, I don't put myself in those situations. I know me. Uh, when somebody say they did this, that, and the third, and and and, and they're in denial within themselves. You're not even close to getting help, brother. You got to stop that, number one. You guys got to know you, what you've done right. first. No matter what she done, I don't care if she, you know, threw a pot at you. You know, yeah. you got to understand what caused that anger from her to you. Absolutely. You got to, to understand overstaying yourself first. You know it needs to be, there needs to be like some type of diffusion center set in place. Mm. Some yeah. like a, a shelter that women can run to when mm -hmm. they in the midst of something going on, you know, some mm -hmm. people don't have nowhere to run. They got to stay home and deal with it. Right. If they know it's somewhere they can run to, you know, a safe spot. Exactly. You know, they randomly throughout the neighborhood somewhere where you can run to with your kids to get away from it. You know, somewhere where these men can go just to break the, the monotony. They could talk to somebody, get it off their chest. Right. Yeah, I know, know uh, True Bethel had a program for men. Um, I forgot what the name of the program is. I don't know if they still have it now or not. I have been in Buffalo in years, but um, I know when I was going to my class at the at Salvation Army, I took a small course. Uh, me and Darius talking. I went to took a small course he had that he had like every Monday, every Monday at six o'clock. I used to go, and it was like a, a hour thing for all the men uh, to come in that that was arrested for domestic violence, for assault, um, mm -hmm. anger issues, mental health, and that nature. And um, I don't know if they still have that program or not. I don't know if you guys from Buffalo hear about that program. I don't know if it's still there. 
But uh, that was real. That was real appropriate for men. Um, I learned. I learned a lot. I taught a lot of people, and the people I taught me, and it was amazing. I've got the guy that ran it. Um, um, one of the deacons there. I forgot his name, man. I think his name was Richard. Um, and um, I mean, it was a real good program. It was really amazing, and a lot of the guys really opened up in there within themselves, in their anger and their issues, and that helped out a lot for us men to overcome to be who we are, so we can help the woman and help our young men that have anger issues. Yeah. I thank you guys. Thank you, OG Mom. I love you so much, hon. I appreciate yeah, so everybody good, for that. joining me tonight. I do. We are about to close out. Big Mike, what you want to close everybody out with tonight? I mean, yeah, I, I was just going to go on, you know, definitely love yourself before you can love anybody else. Absolutely. You, know, you got to understand your self-worth before, you know, you can have somebody understanding their worth to you. But if you don't love yourself, they're not going to love you. That being said, you know, um, I'll piggyback off of what Franklin said. You know, we need somebody to do this. I mean, we should be using these platforms to actually use, you know, to get the fellas on board of what they should be doing. Women, you know, what they should be doing as for understanding what's going on and knowing what they got to do for themselves. Yes. Yes. Amen. And everyone who is watching, I appreciate you guys for watching tonight. And I hope, I pray that somebody got touched by this and will leave. Get out. You don't take, don't, don't take anything. If you have kids, just get them kids out of there and leave because you don't deserve that. And if they are telling you that again, that is a tactic. Know yourself and know that if you are still here, it's for a reason. You know, I, right. I preach about it all the time. You know, we are so purposely purposed purposely purpose and, and and our environment has broken us down our souls have broken us down the people that we surround ourselves with have broken us down dr cooper lovett spoke about the strength you know building yourself back up it's possible i am a testament that is possible you know and and oh my god when i think about my mom thank you mommy and i know you're watching i love you so much i can't even imagine you know so we're going to close out. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Think and Grow with Vet Green. Catch me again sure. Tuesday. Thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight. Tuesday, again, we'll be here. Make sure you download the Evening Rush app, okay? Help us out. Yeah. All right? We are yeah. growing here. I love your long life. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.